This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, August 24, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. History doesn't need to be on a pedestal. It's often brutal and ugly, and the participants in those struggles past are flawed, conflicted people whose motives are rarely pure. In the fight over what to do with monuments featuring prominent members of the Confederacy, Cato's Walter Olson offers his perspective. All right, Walter, you got two choices. Leave all the statues up as is, as markers of history, or tear them all down as horrible, uh, racist, uh, white supremacist ideologues. Go. Can we please rethink the dichotomy? Because this has been the problem over the last week as America has debated this. Um, We have the end positions used to scare each other basically. Um, And it's possible to find people who are in both the end positions. Um, The vice writer who wanted to tear down Mount Rushmore, the um, people who believe that nothing should be touched no matter what we know or have forgotten about why they were ever put up. Uh, but in fact, nearly all people, including libertarians, should wind up somewhere in between there. Now, uh, was it the Southern Poverty Law Center put out a chart sort of detailing when these monuments went up and pegging them to like specific moments in time? And uh, Phil Magnus on uh, Facebook was saying, well, these, these bursts of pu- putting up these monuments uh, also coincided with a, with a burst of putting up union monuments because they marked the 50th and 100th anniversaries of the Civil War. I think the fact that they were erected uh, well after the Civil War and often uh, after, uh, you know, much later than you would expect, uh, is of significance because uh, many of them were in fact erected uh, in order to advance a particular view of the past that um, uh, had been controversial, that was, uh, uh, you know, the, the lost cause narrative, and. Uh, the other day, someone was pointing out that the city of Alexandria in, in, in suburban Washington uh, had enacted a law uh, some decades ago saying that newly created north-south streets had to be named after Confederate generals. Um, North-south, isn't that interesting? It's almost as if they were trying to make a point there. All right. So, I mean, where where do you come down? I mean, the, the idea – you know, it's a, it's it's a vexing question. I, I don't I don't think there's any reason in modern America to celebrate somebody like Robert E. Lee, but uh, there are reasons to note that he existed and was an important figure in American history. Okay, well, let me start in with a bunch of the places you might stop on the slippery slope. You know, the people approach this as a slippery slope issue um, in Maryland, where uh, Governor Hogan recently ordered the. Uh, removal or suggested the removal of the statue of uh, Chief Justice Robert Taney. Um, uh, There was a lot of um, conservative hand-wringing saying, you know, this will stop nowhere. You know, we will wind up at the bottom of the slippery slope with no monuments. But in fact, there are a lot of convenient stopping places. One of them is the difference between uh, public locations like the Maryland State House, uh, which are uh, high demand, high visibility public spaces that in some way have a ceremonial or public significance versus at the other end, cer- cemeteries and battlefields. Now, um, I completely say that uh, cemeteries and battlefields are there for a different reason and they have different rules. They look backward. They look to the past by their nature, uh, not so of the space in front of a busy public building. And so uh, – Inevitably, it is normal, it's natural for us to 
um, both be more tender of the sensibilities of people whose ancestors may have died on a battlefield or have buried their ancestors at a cemetery, uh, and also to realize that the message being sent by sending someone who may have uh, participated in the battle uh, is very different from honoring them as if we had named a day in the calendar after them. So, uh, you know, I, I talked with uh, Anthony Comegna, one uh, at libertarianism.org, about uh, sort of the history of this and what it means to actually take down a monument. And uh, there is the base that the, the monument sits on. If you debase the uh, monument, it becomes a sculpture. And it, it's not it's, – it is no longer really a, 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 a thing of honor. It is a thing that is notable. I think that Mayor Pugh of Baltimore had the right idea when she turned down the suggestion of someone on her city council that the statues be melted down and she said, no, uh, you know, they will be taken down but uh, we can donate and rehouse them with groups that uh, wish to continue um, admiring, venerating, call it what you will, these figures on their own land or at least on land other than that of the city of Baltimore. Um, there are figures that probably should be melted down uh, that post-1990, you know, post-communist uh, Warsaw Pact Europe gave us a few. But in general, we are a land that uh, prizes consensus and pluralism that in which you are allowed to have different views about the past. And this gets me to the second point, which is uh, there is no reason to have a uniform national world on these things. There's no reason why Maryland and Virginia have to come out of the same place, why uh, New England and Louisiana have to come out in the same place. And that gets rid of some of the social tension. Um, you uh, can acknowledge that uh, there are going to be different rules in uh, large cities where people recognize the name of uh, some of these figures because they um, uh, feel a personal sense of you know, that person enslaved my uh, forebears or, or alternatively, um, there are a lot of places where uh, the names will not be recognized at all. Now, I do think that the tariff noun people or the rename people uh, should think twice about <coughs> raising uh, uncomfortable history that we would never have known otherwise about people who would have essentially been forgotten otherwise. There's a, a demand to rename the, uh, the law school at UC Berkeley, Bolt Law School, named after inevitably someone who was a bigwig in San Francisco 100 years ago. And there was something problematic, I'm not surprised to learn, about Mr. Bolt. Uh, no one has heard of Mr. Bolt. Uh, outside his family except as the name of the law school at Berkeley. Uh, so we learn about his problematic nature only in order to create a new discomfort in something that would completely have slid unnoticed. You know, I guess a few more people than that realized that Eli Yale was something other than a football chant. But uh, you know, for 99 percent, if they ever heard of Eli, Eli, Eli Yale, it was because they watched the, the Harvard-Yale game. And there is something odd about essentially sticking this stuff in our eyes. Uh, with Chief Justice Taney, uh, the story of how Taney's Dred Scott decision led to the Civil War is still well known. In fact, it's the only thing people know about Taney. And that's why for me, the Taney decision was not surprising and, and not that difficult because when people would walk through essentially the most honored place in uh, the Pantheon by the Statehouse, they would naturally wonder, gee, you know, I know something about that man. Why on earth would he have a statue? 
Uh, what about this idea? Uh, uh, Radley Balco writes at the uh, the Washington Post. He says, "I was recently in Moscow to give a talk, and I think the answer might be to look at how the city and a couple others have dealt with the legacy of, Stal of Lenin, Stalin, and the Soviet Union." In Moscow's Gorky Park, right next to the State Art Museum, there's a stretch of green space called Fallen Monument Park. It's populated with monuments to Stalinism and Leninism erected during the Soviet era, and it's pretty striking. There's a reason why they can do that in Eastern Europe, which may not apply to us, which is the memories of horror are so fresh from the memories of now living people who um, had to walk around those statues when they were obligatory subjects of celebration. Um, you you would, were you a babushka in Russia, quite naturally want to take your grandchildren around to the same figures that you had to assemble before and salute uh, before. If it's 150 years later, uh, memories are less fresh. A lot of people are still generally interested in the period. Civil War reenactment, which by the way is now going to be under threat because the very idea of having people appear in public in Confederate uniforms is beginning to be seen as problematic even if it's all play acting and, and no sympathy for it. But um, would people attend? You know, the parks should not be created out of notions. They should be created based on a felt need of a lot of visitors to go there. Uh, there is a, a, at least a piece of email and it may be uh, poorly sourced and I, I didn't follow up on it really. But it's the idea that uh, Robert E. Lee and George Washington are you know, basically the same. And, and that, that you take down Lee and you might you, – you know, George Washington is the next logical stop. It is not as if no one believes that. Uh, I think about 20 years ago, the city of New Orleans took the name Washington off a of school because they had decided that they would follow a strict rule, no slaveholders, period, even George Washington. However, that is not a popular view, nor will it become a popular view, uh, I think, in our lifetimes in the United States. Most of us can tell very well the difference, which has been articulated as uh, for the founders, uh, they had – this about them, which is horrifying, and yet what they are known for uh, was to improve the world. It, they were not known for their slaveholding. They were known for things like um, writing the Bill of Rights uh, and breaking with Great Britain. Uh, the well, Confederacy and, and, and the, the Revolutionary War itself was something that was animated by uh, the principles laid out in the Declaration of Independence, which are universal. Yeah, the the principles uh, laid out uh, uh, of um, as some of the founders were well aware at the time, uh, had growing power as well as staying power and uh, were in fact uh, par part of the fuel that allowed abolitionism and uh, similar movements to grow. Uh, but in fact, uh, the Confederates for the most part who are honored, I'm sure there are some that are honored for being great battlefield nurses, but for, in most cases, they're being honored for having fought for the Confederate cause. That's different. They were not improving the world. Walter Olson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 